It's Monday night. It's 8 o'clock, and I'm your host every week, Dr. Jacques Dweck. It's Health Watch Radio. Tonight, we have a special guest, Rafael Farhi. He is a voice teacher, teaching voice lessons, and we're going to be talking tonight all about voice lessons, what it means to take a voice lessons, how he got interested in this, and how he's helping people in many different ways. Uh, Rafael, welcome. Join, welcome, and thank you for joining us tonight. Hi, how are you? Great, great. So tell us how you got interested in voice, voice lessons. H- how did it happen? Well, I, I always loved singing, and uh, I just couldn't stop from uh, a young age. I was always really loud and, and you know, just always the loudest one in the classroom, I guess you can say. And um, my parents were always supportive. They pushed me to join the school choirs, sing in the shul, singing by the Shabbat tables like mandatory. My parents sent me for a couple of lessons when I was 10, but I didn't take it very seriously. I was, I was way busier playing sports at the time. Um, I started taking lessons like very seriously when I became a teacher in a day school full day. So I was teaching, you know, it was brutal. I was teaching from the morning at 7.40 in the morning. I was going straight till about 4.30. And I was teaching eight hours for a bunch of loud kids. And I had weekends. I had to do practice to read for the sefer and then perform on Shabbat as a chazan. And my voice was just shot. So it, it, was, it was a necessity at that point, And I just went for it. So you're saying what you went for, meaning that you went to take voice lessons and take them seriously. Right. I decided that, you know, there was no, if I was to keep all the jobs that I was holding down, I needed to keep my voice in a good place. And the only way to do that was to take voice lessons really seriously. So I hear one of the first reasons I hear for anybody needing to take voice lessons is they're using their voice a lot. And if you're using your voice a lot, you want to make sure that it's working properly and it's going to stay for the long haul. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I went to a um, one of the teacher developments in my school, and one of the courses that they were giving at the teacher development was um, how to maintain your voice over a four- or five-hour period, and the room was packed. I mean, there were 30 or 40 teachers there that just couldn't make it through the day without coming home and barely being able to talk. So, you know, that's definitely a necessity for anybody that's using their voice, you know, 30 or 40 hours a week. So so you said, you, you know, you were at a, a training program. You told me that you have some uh, formal training in voice. What what kind of training is that? So, yeah, I decided to go to a, a really serious studio. I did my research. I found New York Vocal Coaching. Uh, it's in the city on Broadway, and it's a real legit place. Um, and I just said, whatever it's going to cost, whatever it's going to mean, I'm going to take 10 or, 10 or 15 lessons before I decide that it's not going to work. And... Every lesson I came back improved. I came back uh, able to do more. I felt the next day just a bit better. And so for me, that was, uh, you know, I was able to, you know, get like into that into that zone where I knew I was taking voice lessons and it was becoming a part of my routine. So when did you decide that the voice lessons, which were really initially just to help you, sort of became something that you saw as a potential career in terms of teaching? So that's an interesting question because I never really th- thought of it and I still don't think of it so much as a career as much as I at the time, like when when you're taught voice lessons, there's a lot of vague imagery stuff that they teach and a lot of the technical knowledge of how the voice works, they don't 
really give over to you. A lot of the reason is because a lot of singers don't care for it, but I'm a very curious person by nature, and I needed to know every last thing there was about the voice. So I went into all the books, and I said, and then when I found out that they were giving a teacher training course, I said, you know, it's with the head of the program, Justin Stoney, and he's a he's a master. He's you know his stuff is all over the internet, um, and I just said, you know, if I need the information, what better way than to take the training of how to become a teacher? Uh, today, I you know I, I don't even keep that many students. I keep my what I do in my studio less um, you know busy because I, I do have a full time weekend job and a full, right. full weekday job. But this is a, a nice fun side job. <laughs> yeah, so it's not uh, it's a job, but it's also it you know there's an emotional component to all singers and people that love to sing and love to just express themselves in in all different ways. Um, and they need they sort of like need to be heard and need to sing and anybody that's a singer has that feeling every a lot of, even non-singers there's no such thing as a non-singer everybody's a singer but anybody that has that feeling knows that they want to sing they want to be, um to be able to express themselves and when i find a, somebody um that loves to sing but can't do it and wants to develop themselves that's the person that i i really like to teach great great so now that's one type of a of a person that would go for voice lessons is the person who wants to sing, but I'm sure there are other people that could be helped f- with voice lessons besides that. You know, we said you know a teacher who's teaching all day long, that's not somebody who wants to sing. I mean, he would rather sing than than be screaming and yelling. But right, so there, there's definitely a, a like a bunch of different groups of people who who uh, need to sing, who need to um, use voice lessons, and it can really make practical use of the lessons. Now, it's interesting you, you, you said that. You said, who need to sing? Because I'm imagining that you go for voice lessons, and one of the things you're doing there is... Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's such a thing as a need to sing. I mean, once you discovered it, there's no getting away from it. You need to sing. There's... It's just a, it's a, a spiritual thing. It's, it's a, spir- a spiritual thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of people who, who, you know, the reason why they sing is because they feel the need, but they don't realize how much of their personality, emotionally, psychologically, is being helped by that, you know. Um, often problems with the voice are so connected to their emotional well-being and their, and their, their midot, their characteristics of who they are as a person, those things are really definitely connected. So if you just joined us, it's Health Watch Radio, and our special guest tonight is Rafael Farhi. He's a voice teacher, and he's sharing with us some insights about voice lessons. So we talked already about the fact that people who like to sing are certainly one candidate. Who else is a candidate for voice lessons? So uh, there are really basically, um, I would say, four four categories there's the the person who who needs to sing and loves to sing and um everybody has that need somewhere and then there's and th- that that is the most assumed of the you know the of the people who take voice lessons the amateur professional singer somebody who like every day every day everybody's telling them you know oh you have a great voice you should make something of your voice you should do it professionally you should sing because they sing nicely at a table so like there is the assumption is that those people are the ones that take the voice, and it is, to a certain extent, it is true. But how many people actually become professional, as opposed to the amount of people that are taking voice lessons, is disproportionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next category, I would say, 
is really the hobbyist. Somebody was singing for fun. Um, it's a combination. Those people are really a combination of hobbyist and and like the therapy by singing type of person. They 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 stumbled into to voice lessons a couple of times, and then all of a sudden they realized that they just can't go on without having their weekly fix of singing in a comfortable setting with a teacher. So you said in a studio. Is it set up like a studio where you're doing these uh, voice lessons, or is it in a regular living room? Or how is it? How are you doing this? Me myself, I have. Um, I teach in Manhattan Beach Jewish Center, and over there, I do have a studio. In my home, I have just a, a piano, and it's not a you know, it's not soundproof or anything like that. Um, for that, and then I do house calls. So when I talk about studio, I just mean the the ability of me to accompany and to sit with somebody with a piano and work. And you play the piano. Yeah, I accompany with the piano for the vocal exercises. Wow, that's nice. Okay, so we got the singers and the and the amateur singers. Who else? Yeah, so now we have again the the um, we said the the amateur singer, the hobbyist, somebody that they love singing so so much, and then the public speaker or the teacher, somebody that can't get by in their job. So they're 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 they have a need to um, really uh, learn how to use their voices more efficiently whether it's you know speaking or teaching, and they lose their voices quickly. And, and those types of people who are using their voices consistently and inefficiently will end up damaging the vocal cords beyond repair. Um, they wear away at the levels of moisture of the mucous membrane that are surrounding their cords, and they can create actual blisters, which cause you know sulcus vocalis, other issues with the cord, on the cord level. So that's the, let's say, the teacher, the public speaker... Somebody who has to use their voice in, in in a business way, I would call it. Yes, definitely. There's there's um, a ton of people who come into the studio that I go to in the city and take um, corresponding lessons. They take, you know, an accent reduction lesson where they learn Chinese businessmen. They want to learn how to make the sound of the American professional, and so they would take the voice lessons to get. You know the sing song down in the right way, and then the the accent reduction and the and the speech therapy to be able to have a more uh, a polished business performance. Interesting. Yeah, one of the cool things that you know went on in the studio that, that I was at was, you know, you had a, a a pro football coach who was doing who had to do press conferences, and he doesn't want to sound like a pro football coach, <laughs> right? He doesn't want to exactly. <laughs> so they need to polish up. They need to figure out exactly how they're going to present that, and and they do come for speaking engagements. They do come to voice lessons as well. Interesting. That's nice. Okay, so we got these different types of public speakers. Certainly, rabbis fall into that category that are speaking all day long, and teachers, like you said. Yeah, and and that the public speaker. Um, the speakers and the teachers, typically their voice lessons and their vocal advice is is a much shorter process. It's it's 10 or 15 lessons um, because it, it's simpler for the, the, the adjustments that they need to make are simpler and they can get, you know, if with the right practice and the right, impl- you know, um, the right, Im- you know, implementation of their, the changes that they've made in studio, they can actually take that into their speaking voice and use it right away. Right. Because you got the do's and don'ts, yeah. Which hopefully you'll share yeah. a couple of tips and, with us, later. right? And then there's the sick, the the sick category, which is something that's, you know, a, a much more difficult um, medical uh, case, and that is that there's the medical voice lesson, and that is somebody who's developed a polyp, a cyst, nodules. They can ha- even have tumors, nerve damage, or hemorrhages on their vocal cords, 
in these cases, like you need to have a doctor who diagnoses you. They take a camera and they stick it down your throat. And they actually can see the vocal cords um, and, and know what's happening exactly. And then there's a vocal lesson therapy where you can find different parts of the voice to use if the part that's being damaged is not able to be used. So where if somebody was speaking on a pitch that was da now damaged, they can learn to change their pitch and have a decent speaking voice again. So in other words, when they were speaking at that other pitch or their normal pitch, let's say the previous normal pitch that they used to have, that was doing a lot of damage. Right. So now you're teaching them how to switch out of that into a non-damaging pitch so they can speak properly without having to do any damage to their voice. Yes, and then once they've already moved on to like a new pitch to start using their voice, you give the, the other, the damaged pitch, a chance to actually recover. And in a lot of cases, there's you know, a, a consistent imbalance on the, on the vocal cords until you figure out how to make the person's voice complete again. But that is a possibility to regain a person's voice completely from nothing. So now, I know there's a lot of people that I see, because I deal a lot with people with sleep apnea, that also have concurrent with their sleep apnea, they have acid reflux. So I know that a lot of times people with acid reflux affects their voice. Do you see any of that, and do you see any results with treating that? I mean, obviously, the best thing to do with acid reflux is correct the problem. Yeah. But sometimes the damage is there, and what could these people do when they have the damage from the, from the acid? So w once the damage is there, um, it, it, it's just a matter of knowing how to use your voice. Uh, what does it mean by the damage being there? I mean, if the acid reflux is hitting their vocal cords, so they have to strengthen their vocal cords in some way. I mean, obviously fix the problem. But if you cannot fix the problem and it's a, it's a recurring thing, there are ways to strengthen the vocal cords before real damage sets in. Um, and that would, you know, that's a, that's a long process. I mean, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor to help you to, to treat acid reflux, but in my training I was taught that posture helps for acid reflux and sleeping at a certain incline can help you for acid sure. reflux. That acid reflux is one of the most dangerous things for your voice. Um, it, it'll create an airiness or raspiness. You know, the old man voice syndrome when you have you know all these older people who have yeah and that happens that's that's a stomach acid thing um typically so that thing can be prevented if you, the vocal health is worked on and early and hopefully they do things to help avoid the acid like you said one of the things certainly is proper sleeping position and if they have sleep apnea to correct their sleep apnea because that certainly ma makes things much worse and the types of food that they eat, and how late they're eating, and weight control, and all a bunch of whole bunch of other things. That's from the medical side, but from the voice side, there is some yeah. I mean therapies you, that you can do. Yeah, you see, you see some older singers who their voices are they're seventy and eighty, and their voices are crystal clear. Um, you know, so that's that's a proof to that fact that they sure. when they work on their own voice, that's what happens. So, so we have the, the, a few different types so far. We have the, the, the person with some damage, either polyps or uh, cysts, or maybe let's say the damage from acid reflux and things that can be done to help those people. And like you said, which was interesting, the teacher and the public speaker who are really the simplest ones to, to, 
to teach because you're giving them good advice on how not to strain their voice, damage their voice throughout a long day of speaking. Mm -hmm. So in terms of people's voice, voice style, voice identity, you know, you had mentioned before that, you know, the, the Chinese businessman who comes and he wants to learn how to change his accent. So is that something you're doing? I mean, when I think of voice lessons, I don't think of that. I think of, you know, how to range, uh, extend my range, how I, wa I want to be able to sing. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what fascinates me about, about the voice is the complexity and the diversity of the instrument. And and it is instrument. It is an instrument. I mean, every every person that has a voice is playing their own instrument, and it's a much more complex instrument than any stoic or stable instrument. Um, you know, you have the ability to produce millions of different sounds and textures, and and every string instrument has a set resonating device. The back of a guitar or a violin dictate the sound that the, that, that that instrument can create, but the mouth. And therefore, the voice are fluid, and they're, they can be manipulated into any which way to produce a different sound. So they, it really is um, when somebody's born with a Chinese voice. There's no such thing. He can just make his mouth in a way that is um, the way the Americans shape their voice typically. And the proof of that is, you know, how shocked are we when we see an, a you know a Chinese person? And all of a sudden, they open their mouth and they're speaking English, and it sounds really Western. And we're looking at them like, well, "How did that happen?" But the reality is, it's not. It, it's not that part of it is not a genetic, cultural thing. It's, it's really, you know, um, it's, it's a really learned behavior. And you can learn to sound exactly like that Chinese guy, and you can learn. I mean, there are people that imitate. You know, that's what they do for a living. They they they're imitators, and that just points to the fact that you can really sing any sound. You can really make any sound. And you really choose what sound you want to present the world. This is me. This is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I want to sound like. So when you think of somebody, let's say uh, a man who has a very squeaky voice, now is that something he could take his voice and bring it down and and have a deeper voice? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I've seen it happen with me as well. My speaking voice uh, has changed. You know, since I started, people that know me from two years ago who hear me now, they say, you don't sound the same in your speaking voice. So, you know, that's a definite, that's a definite yes. I mean, a person's vocal style, although you, you, what we call the unique sound is a like a complex makeup of the genetics, the culture, the upbringing, the character traits that are, that's, that's like located within the spirit. And that's what he typically shows people. But that doesn't mean that with voice lessons or, or with, working on it and figuring out how he can manipulate his instrument to create a sound that he would like to sound like, how that, you know, will will be able to do what he wants it to do. So the the short answer and the long answer is both yes. You know, it's it's a definitely thing that a person can change their pitch, change their squeakiness, their nasality, their resonance, their you know, whatever it is they want to change. They want to sound deep, they want to sound big, they want to sound smaller, they want to sound weaker they want to sound however they want to sound they can sound so but back to really what i really thought voice lessons were and i'm wondering how much time people spend in that part of it and the other part so certainly if someone's going for voice lessons because 
they're worried they're they can't make it through the whole day speaking so long etc okay i hear that but normally if someone they came because they want to be able to sing better and they say you know but i'm i'm tone deaf what should i do is that something real the whole idea of being tone deaf is that something that you can teach them or you you just can't carry a tune i mean maybe people can't just carry tunes so in terms of the tone deaf question you know there really is a very very small amount of people in the world who are actually tone deaf um most i mean 99.9% of the people who are are not carrying a tune is a a chord level lack of knowledge lack of experience they don't know how to produce the sound that they know you know to hear because if you ask them if they if they listen to music if they hear they can hear the difference between this song and that song of course they know the difference and of course they you know they can um you know on on a on a piano if you ask them is this note higher than that note they'll hear it so i mean so so they have to sort of learn how to play their vocal instrument exactly exactly they have to learn and i and i know people who have gone from not being able to carry a tune having the most annoying voice who spent six years in in, in, a, in a voice studio, and have are now on Broadway shows. So, and I've heard the before and afters, and it's it's shocking. You hear people like pitchy all over the place. They've decided that they wanted to do it with hard work, with you know a decent amount of money and and the time and and the homework and everything. They went and just did it. I mean, they're they're the top level of singers today. So that's that's the extreme improvement, let's say, but. From what you're telling me, then, somebody who would like to improve his style, there's certainly hope for everybody, even if they're not carrying the tune so great and they're not able to to do what they have to do normally. So that that's very encouraging. So the person who says he hates his voice and even his speaking voice and his singing voice, there's certainly a help for them. So... What's involved in singing lessons? Let's get down to nitty-gritty. Again, if you just joined us, we're with Rafael Farhi. He gives voice lessons besides the fact that he's a full-time teacher and he reads, he's a Balkoran shul and he's doing his weekend things. He fits this into his life as a, as a passion, as a hobby, as a, as a way to help people just the way he was helped himself by taking voice lessons. So what's involved with voice lessons? Well... I typically break up my lessons into three parts. Um, I do a little catching up on their thoughts regarding their voice, their singing goals, um, and even life or anything else, anything that they want to talk about because it's important to make the studio as comfortable and an open, emotionally supportive place. Um, the chords, you know, the vocal chords, they actually react very strongly to emotion. And our natural instincts create natural sounds. So well, certainly you hear somebody when they're all excited and their voice goes up like this. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so when a person is in the right emotional zone, he or she is going to do best, especially making new sounds. It's like it's like going to the gym and maxing out. It can get ugly, but and 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 people feel nervous about that. Am I creating the sound that I want to sound? Oh my God, I made that sound and it sounded terrible. They're nervous about their new sounds, their new exploring of their voice and who they are. And, and that's, that I used to keep at the beginning of the lesson about a five or a couple of minutes, five minutes usually, five or so. After that, we go right into the vocal exercises and warm-ups. Um, and you're saying vocal exercises, that's you with the piano? That's me with the piano. 
we you know I show them the exact combination of sounds I want them to make um you know whether you know whether whatever I'm looking to work on if I'm looking to make a bigger sound if I'm looking to make uh if I'm looking to have the singer explore another part of their voice that they don't usually use I develop the exercise you know knowing every combination of vowel consonant duration every part of the vocal uh, experience to create a sound that's going to be tailor-made for that person that will create you know that will um, go directly against the challenges that they're finding in their own voice so and that's really where when in when I did the research to become a teacher when New York vocal coaching they're they're very non-rigid about their exercises they 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 don't stick to like a book of oh these are the exercises or buy this online course and 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 you'll learn how to sing it doesn't it doesn't work that way every singer's voice is unique and so the exercises that you need to create for that in order to that for the exercise to be efficient has to be the exact consonant the exact vowel the exact you know sustain and it has to be monitored that's why you need a voice teacher because somebody's got to make the diagnosis of what your problem is exactly so we go through we go through the um, the vocal exercise, the warm up, and you know I monitor it, make sure that they're doing it correctly, and that they, you know, whatever homework they're doing, they understand the the lesson that they're meant to be doing over the week. Um, and then after about a half an hour or so, we have we work on a song, and we apply the warm ups and exercises to that song. So I'm just imagining if somebody came and because they're teaching all day long. And they say, you know, I just want my voice to be able to last the full day. And you take out your piano and you start singing and have them singing. They go, well, this is not what I came here for. I mean, what's their reaction? Aren't they thinking like that? Well, I, I don't, for a teacher's voice, I wouldn't be going up and down the octave as much. But in this, in our speaking voice, what we're talking now, we're talking in musical tones. Right. So you, know, you just said, that's not what I came here for. That's That's a musical note. Sure. And when I hear that, I say, okay, if this person's going to be saying and using that that tone, are they doing it in the most supportive way? Are they doing it in the way that's least stressful to their vocal cords? Are they doing it in a way that's creating tension for them? Is it is it, is it difficult for them to create that sound? And I'll work to find a way that will make that sound more supported, breath you know breath supported, less straining on the vocal cords, you know. Things like that, so the the work would be less in the um, in the higher octaves, let's say, but it would be focused on the correct correct amount of you know superglottic and subglottic pressure on their vocal cords. So, but you're still using a piano when you're doing it. I don't have to as much, but it it does help them because when you create a new sound, you're changing the dynamics in your in your voice in your on the vocal cord level, and you know you can you can make the same amount of sound um, typically with a much less amount of breath. And the way to do that is to learn how to use your vocal cords in a different way. And it will come out. The person who's been speaking a certain way for a long time will come out. Their voice will just wobble. It'll fall apart. It'll be, uh, and they can't make that sound in public. They'll never make that sound. That's just embarrassing. But that's where the work needs to be. And we, we strengthen those vocal cords at that amount of breath so that the cords are working at a on, a on a budget. They don't need to do as much as before. They're not working as hard anymore. Interesting. Interesting. So 
again, I, I sorry to interrupt you. I just couldn't resist because I'm imagining these these teachers and these public speakers coming there, and you, you take out the piano and start playing a song, and they're going, "What am I doing here?" Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as a teacher, also, I mean, some of the education professionals have told me that one of the most underused tools for a teacher is their voice and their ability to to keep the class alive by changing their pitch because the monotone everybody knows is is boring and when a person speaks totally like this for the entire time while they're speaking i mean adults fall asleep on that and then for sure kids so we have to keep our voices um you know up and down doing all sorts of tricks you know loud louder softer gentle more airy less airy more uh nasal less nasal more deep keep it color keep it 3d you know, so that's important for a teacher as well. Perfect, perfect. So in the process of giving the lessons, how, how long is, a, is an average uh, voice lesson? So they run from 45 minutes to an hour typically. And when you get more intense, like I've taken two-hour lessons um, for a while just because I was doing so much work for a specific goal. But typically, the correct amount of time is about an hour. Um, and, you know, that's that's enough time to get into the last part of the lesson, which is the repertoire. What What's the singer want to sing? What does the singer want to speak? What do they want to do with their voice? And that, and I'll be able to take the, take the song apart and then say, okay, you're singing this phrase and it's causing you not hitting the note or you're, you're, you're over singing the note, you're singing the note without the right amount of emotion and I'll show somebody how to sing that note with emotion. A lot of my teaching has to do with correct, you know, acting through the music and giving, and in Jewish music in general, it's one of the things that, you know, is, is sort of missing. There's a lot of applied lyrics to tunes and a lot of times the emotional aspect of the song is just not there and that a lot of times causes people to feel like the Jewish music is not, you know, touching my soul in the right way. It's not... It's the, they're not connecting to my what I feel and that and that is a lot of times the you know the artist's problem they need to know they need to know how to communicate how to sing a song with the correct emotion in the song um, and that you know being on Broadway that that studio for me was a big eye-opener because every time I would sing something from the Hazanu from the Torah from the thing they would ask me what does this mean okay okay so now all your all your bones are singing. How could you make that say? You know, how could you how could you make that same phrase as as uh, another phrase in the? That's a that's a different phrase. It's unique. You have to make it mean something for this phrase, and that's changed uh, my view of how how singers should sing. And definitely, it's part of any singers and any artists. You know, uh, colors. Every you know, a, a painter has all different colors to be able to paint a picture and. and and a singer and a musician singer has all different types of voices to create a, a feeling and emotion. So we have to really take that and, and use it to the, the best of our ability. Great, great. So we have a lesson, like you said, a good lesson would be an hour long, give you a time to really develop. How many lessons, you said a person who's coming because they're a teacher or, or a public speaker, they need less than somebody else might. What's happening, and over what period of time are you are you seeing that person? And then, let's say the person who wants to develop their voice for singing. Well, the hobbyist and the guy that sings for 
you know, for the for the joy of it, for the therapy of it. Somebody who wants to, you know, work on 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 just continuously sinking, they'll obviously come every single week. And I, you know, and I, people have, you know, you have older people who are not performers. They're not making money from it. They just, they want to sing and they want to sing any opera song they want. So they just keep coming. And then you have the, the, the singer who wants to do it because, you know, they know they want to sing and they want to improve their voice to a point where they're able to sing professionally. So that person would typically, you know, um, well, let's just first, first we'll say that on every lesson there there is an improvement. So whatever level you're looking to go, there's it's in every lesson there is a take home something. And you can implement that right away, at least, you know, in my lessons and the lessons that I've been taking from my teachers. In terms of professionalism, you know, there's all different levels of how far you want to go. It's all about you and every person's different how many lessons they want to take. Typically, I would say somebody who was singing as an amateur and sounded good would need about 20 or 30 or 40 lessons before they felt, okay, now I see where I'm, I'm about to be professional. You know, that's, that's the level where, you know, I would say that that, that can happen. That makes sense. Makes sense. It takes time to develop what you need to do. So let's share with our listeners in the last five or seven minutes that we have some of the uh, interesting things that you found in your learning about the voice and maybe some some do's and don'ts for our listeners. Like, first question, do Hazanim eat raw eggs? That's a question that I know a lot of people think that that's what they do, that that's the way you help your throat, you eat a raw egg. Is that true? Well, there are Hazanim that do do that, and um, it can be dangerous to eat a raw egg. I mean, <laughs> it's not... Uh, not healthy, maybe. It's not healthy, but... Today there are, there are so many vocal sprays that will help you uh, in a much more safe and legit way, um, and that's all. This is because your cords need a certain amount of of uh, lubrication, lubrication, yeah. and, and and a mucus. Those cords are covered in four layers of mucous membrane, and they need to be hydrated. Water helps for some, but definitely you know whatever works for you in terms of getting your throat to be getting your vocal cords to be consistently lubricated is is important. So if somebody's drinking a lot of tea, is that going to help them? I know the tea that uh, that my son likes to drink, it's called throat coat. Is that a real tea? Is that something real? I mean, does so, it do anything? Yeah, I've had that. It's it's pretty good actually. It tastes <laughs> yeah, it good. tastes like licorice, licorice. but uh... Yeah, that licorice is actually makes you it it's actually like a like an anesthetic. Uh-huh. And you don't feel what the pain that your throat is oh, in. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't really lubricate the throat at all. Um, and I've had that, and it was terrible for me, and I had to use my spray, and I was like, you know, so don't not, ever, get, not don't a ever good give me thing. this again. Right, not a good thing to do for your throat. Okay, so but what what are some of the do's and don'ts? So one of the things is keep your voice, keep your, your vocal cords lubricated, and there, like you said, there are different sprays and things like that that you can use. If somebody's just wants to do it without going and looking to find out what kind of sprays. What things are sensible things to do and things to avoid? So when it, when it comes to that, I mean, you have a lot of very opinionated teachers and you read some books on, on the subject and there are a lot, a lot of people who say, oh, well, don't eat this or don't eat that. My experience and the teachers that I've trained with have said, you know, whatever really works for you is really important. Um, that you just figure out what works for you because 
for one person, alcohol can be something that's very bad for their throat. And for other people, they found it to be helpful. Um, you know, well, I would imagine, let's say we're talking about soda, salsa, acidic beverages. I mean, just logically it would make sense to me that they would be damaging. So only digestive acid is really bad for the throat. Mm-hmm. Is really bad for the vocal the vocal system. Well, because it's such a high, it's such a, a low pH. Yeah, I such a high acidity. Right. It's a tremendous uh, has a tremendous effect on the vocal cords. But food acids vary on the person tremendously. I mean, I can drink tons of soda or coffee and not have any problems at all. And and foods don't help me or or non help me. The sprays help me. Certain oils help me, and those things are. Are you know that's but that's a personal thing. Everybody on their own should figure it out. But the most important thing is that you know you don't have that stomach acid. If you eat foods that are causing you acid reflux, that can be something. And you know, oftentimes you lay down during the day, you get up, and your voice feels funny. That talk when when that that morning voice a lot of times comes from from you know well, the acid that you that's either on your eating late at night, bringing it up during the, while you're sleeping, or you know, many people, they need to do weight control and or if they have sleep apnea, they better control their sleep apnea. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the, the people mask that with, you know, that feeling of that acid. They mask it with, you know, cough drops or hot drinks. And the reality is that your cords are suffering. And as you age, your cords and your sound are going to become raspy and airy like that old man, like that old man feeling. Um, in terms of damaging your voice, like do's and don'ts, so hitting high notes, and this is something every, you know, somebody that, anybody that wants to sing, a lot of times they want to hit those high emotional, impressive, you know, uh, money notes, what they call them in the industry. Those money notes are are dangerous if you do them without the right technique and if you feel, if it feels painful. So hitting high notes repeatedly at high volumes, overuse, which means if you're using your voice 30 or 40 hours without knowing how to manipulate it in a way that you can continuously talk, you're going to have an issue. Fatigue, just being tired um, and consistently losing your voice. Some people, they think, okay, I'll burn out my voice for you know this trip or on, on this Shabbat, and then after the weekend, I'll, I'll get better, and that's life. That's fine. But if you do it consistently, it, it'll, it'll end up hurting you in, in, a, in a bad way. Worst case scenario, it can develop nodules, blisters, hemorrhages, Person That's can lose. a pretty bad case scenario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are. I know. So one of the teachers was auditioning for something, and the the casting director kept asking him, "Okay, do the note again. Do the note again." And it was one of those really high pitched, um, high nasality sounds, and he was just belting it out. And every time he would do it, he just felt it hurting, but he wanted to get the job. And he had a hemorrhage on his vocal cords in at at the casting itself. Shh. Yeah, and till this day, certain notes he can't hit, uh, depending on you know the the makeup of the of the voice, where the you know the cricoarytenoids and the thyroarytenoid vocal muscles were at that time. Wow, wow! All right, so listeners, I think that we all agree that you want to care of your voice, you want to be sure not to do any damage to it, and those of us that are interested in learning about the voice and how to control it, how to help us use it properly, certainly could benefit from voice lessons. Rafael Farhi is here for us to do that. If you want to reach him, you can reach him. His cell phone is 908-675-7934, 908-675-7934. And 
If you need or somebody you care about needs voice lessons, certainly this is a great way to start. 908-675-7934. Rafael Farhi. Rafael, thank you. Thank you.